Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. All right, everyone, we are here. We have now seen the first episode of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and so it's time for us to break it down. But before we do, I just want to say this is our first time recording in person since Spider-Man, maybe, or the end of the year recap. So like eight months. Pretty much since Christmas. Yeah, it's been a long time, but we are in the same room. We just got back from our family vacation. So if this comes out on a Sunday and not a Saturday, you guys know why we were on the beach. Sorry. But we anyway, get vacations too. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, on our vacation, we were happy to be able to check out the first episode of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Super fun. I laughed out loud like a few times. Super enjoyable. Katie, what did you think of the episode? I know I'm going to like it. And it's not that I didn't like the first episode, but I know T and I both kind of just said this prior to recording. It didn't give much as far as the show itself quite yet. I feel like a lot of what we saw was footage from trailers. So ironically, I felt like I saw it already. Yeah. But I like the premise. I like the interaction with her and Bruce. Like, I know I'm going to like it. I just wanted more out of this episode, more than what I feel like I've already been exposed to. And I just didn't really quite get that. But I like the idea of the show. I like where we're going with it. I like her, you know, I like everything going into it. I'm just ready to move past what we've already been exposed to. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, you know, we've compared this show, I think, to WandaVision a few times, not because they're even remotely similar in terms of tone or anything, but just in the sense that, like, they're both that nine-episode format, and we really haven't had that since then. Yeah. WandaVision did release those first two episodes, and though we didn't have the podcast at the time, we were living together, so we watched it together, and I remember us both saying, oh, I'm so glad they released the first two together, because that would have been really tough to go two weeks of kind of slow, like, with that format, and, you know, I think this is kind of similar in the sense that even though it was about 40 minutes, we really didn't get a lot, and it is that nine-episode format, so I was kind of surprised we didn't get the first two, just to kind of move it along a little bit. Honestly, it really wasn't the 40 minutes. It was close to probably to 30, if you take out all that credit. Yeah, that's true. Because it was 37 minutes, just about, and then you take, honestly, the credits probably were a solid seven. Yeah. So... I I was just kind of hoping, to your point, like how WandaVision, uh, and I think it's safe to say the first two episodes of WandaVision, when you go back to watch them, you're kind of like, okay, these are the slower of the nine. I mean, there's not a lot going on quite yet. You're not really sure what's... I mean, the first episode, nothing... There's like one scene that's a little off, and that's all you get, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, you kind of gloss right past it. Like, they're aesthetically pleasing, but they don't do a lot to further the full narrative of what the show's going to become. Right. So I think, to your point, it was really smart of them to have released those together versus for She-Hulk. I think... I would have expected, and I did go into it expecting a little more than what, like I said earlier, the trailers, especially considering 
I would say the bulk of it was her interacting with Bruce. And as like I said, I definitely love it. I love that interaction. I think it's great to see a different side of Bruce. And I know yeah. we can get into that a little more. I just sort of was like, okay, you've released so much in the trailers from this episode alone. This whole entire scene with her and Bruce, pretty much, like, the whole time they're in Mexico, I'm like, I've seen half of this. Yeah. So by the time she kind of comes back to, you know, her life... Even the scene in the courtroom was released in a trailer. So it was a little disappointing in the sense that I wanted to actually see more of the show and not what I've already seen. I just feel like I watched all the trailers again. But on the flip side, that really opens that door of we've seen so much from the trailers already that clearly we're going. it's going to follow that new formula that Marvel's been doing where, you know... Maybe the first few episodes are really trailer-heavy footage, and by the end of, like... Episode three, honestly. Yeah, for the ones that are six episodes, uh, there's almost no trailer footage left, and you don't know where the rest of the show is going. So there's definitely a flip side to that coin, um, and that's just us being a little nitpicky as far as, like, what we saw. I can't emphasize enough that we love it. Yeah, it's so fun. I'm just ready to see more of what I've from what we've seen is really where I'm at. I'm ready for the next part. Oh, definitely. I just, like I said, I laughed hysterically. She is so funny. I loved her interactions with Bruce. To your point, you know, let's just get right into that because I think, you know, we've seen Bruce. He's a science bro. He's so serious. He's so worried about being in control and he feels this, you know, not to spend all of She-Hulk talking about Hulk. We definitely won't do that. But I do want to. But it's important to talk about, especially some of the conversations they had were really important. Oh, definitely. And there's one in particular that I know that's getting a lot of um, attention online, and I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. But, you know, he spent a lot of his time, especially in the MCU, feeling guilty and all of these things and feeling very unworthy just by the nature of his. I don't want to call it a disease, but his duality with the Hulk. And so it was nice to see him interact with someone in a way where he could feel like he could be his full self. I think we got a lot of the information that we were looking for, both about how is he now human. We got that with the device. I don't know if you caught this, but I was very intrigued by the fact that her blood actually was what allowed him to heal his arm. Which... I thought it was weird. Yeah, I agree. But I also was like, okay, well, at least it answers that question, because I know that was something we talked about in the predictions episode, and I brought up multiple times, What because we weren't really sure why he was human and at the end of Shang-Chi and all of that. So I thought that was, at least I was happy I got an answer. I was really thrown off to why that worked. Yeah, me too. But I was like, okay science and just moved on from it kind of I really didn't I was like whatever I I'm not gonna hurt my brain trying to figure out why that managed yes that leads me to two really quick timeline things since you brought up Shang-Chi one I've been seeing online and I have to look at the official release or not release but the official timeline that Marvel's put out I don't think I ever put two and two together that technically Shang-Chi is post No Way Home that's what people have been saying online And I have to look at the official timeline, but that's what it seems to be. So we'll confirm that in the blog for sure, but that's what I keep seeing. The other thing then, because you did bring up Bruce being human in the end of Shang-Chi, this confirms that She-Hulk does in fact happen after Shang-Chi because his arm's healed and he's gone back to being Smart Hulk. So that kind of gives us, I know we talked a lot about Shang-Chi being something that we've really had a lot of trouble placing on the timeline because it is 
so like it's obvious that it's post blip obviously but there's no real other connections other than that last scene in which he's kind of being brought into the avengers and it's still that's not there's not enough detail to really talk about timeline wise so i was excited to see that we're starting to put the puzzle pieces a little bit together in terms of how are things connecting and where are they connecting on the timeline well and you know personally i was really happy one because i i kind of theorized that it would be after especially i know my reasoning kind of came down to things with the abomination and wong which obviously we'll get later in the show we know we will but uh, it did make more sense for it to fall afterwards, especially with Hulk's timeline and where Bruce was at with all of that. Speaking of kind of seeing things online, I've also been seeing rumors that it takes place after Moon Knight, but prior to Miss Marvel, as far as like shows, which personally for me, I kind of look at that like, okay, why does that matter? Same. Quite yet, because especially Moon Knight has like no connection quite yet to some of this um as far as the sh- the show as a whole because i know it was very much kind of taken out of the mcu different to quite a bit of the other shows like hawkeye even she hulk but i have been seeing that rumor i'm not saying that's a confirmation but i have been seeing that so that might also help start clearing up where things lie i don't know why that's important yet i don't either but just putting it out there, sharing that information. Yeah. Let's circle back so we went on a small tangent. I want to talk a little bit more about Jen and Bruce's conversations about being the Hulk because I think there's a lot of meat in there. And like I said, some things that have been really discussed heavily online. So we're definitely not going to shy away from it. But to start off, you know, the first thing that Bruce says when he realizes she's still Jen is like, I'm jealous. Like, am I jealous? Is this what I'm feeling? Because he's been, to his point, he has this binders of his 15 year. And did you notice he says specifically 15 years? Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's actually a little wonky because they're further along, but. Well, and that's what I'm starting. That's what concerns me was because he said 15 years. And if you do take that at surface level, that is 2023. At the earliest or at the. Well, because 2008 would have been the first Hulk, would have been the incident. So that literally puts you in 2023. I did math wrong, sorry. Well, that's why I'm like, if you really take that at face value and you believe, like, like if we are to look at that and be like, yeah, okay, then that throws me off even more as far as timeline. Because I know some of the shows that have been coming out and some of the things they're like, we're in 2025 already. Ms. Marvel's in 2025. Well, that's why, though, it's that rumor saying that this show is prior to Ms. Marvel would make sense. Yeah. But I don't know, because, like you pointed out, very blatantly said 15 years. Oh, multiple times. Yeah. It was, yeah. And I don't know if they're pulling a Spider-Man Homecoming where they can't math on us, or if they, I mean, I don't think they'd repeat that mistake, to be quite honest, because they got a lot of flack for that. But, so I think you have to take it at face value and say it's been 15 years. I was thinking 15 years was 2022, and that's why I got confused. But it's actually 2023. Sorry, we left very early on our road trip this morning. So, anyway, (laughs) so I thought that was super interesting and um, definitely kind of helps put that, again, on the timeline. But also, just circling back to what that means for Bruce, you know, he spent 15 years trying to control it. He spent the entirety of the time between the snap and the blip learning how to merge the two identities and when he finds out hey you have nobody else in there like i understand why he was annoyed but also i just think it's another way to kind of show the difference between the two you pointed that out in the predictions episode that she's kind of always been able to just be jen and not have this like 
for lack of a better term, hulking rage monster living also inside her brain. Yeah, and for those who maybe want an explanation to that and maybe didn't hear the in the predictions episode, this comes down to the fact that at the end of the day, Bruce was the one who had the incident with the gamma radiation. Um, what's interesting is actually this episode kind of talks about their, like, special... Genetic predisposition. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was interesting, and I'm just going to throw out, made me think of, like, mutants almost, because they have that, like, or even the Inhumans, which I know are, like, essentially mutants painted a different color, <laughs> but kind of the idea of, like, they already sort of had that, or even I think of Wanda especially, yeah. since WandaVision, they had that gene, or they had a certain DNA, like, sequence, and it would have been fine if they hadn't had a certain incident happen. Regardless, though, keep in mind, you know, Bruce was the one who had the entire incident with the gamma radiation. That's kind of what comes down to why he has Hulk taking the wheel at times and has Bruce taking the wheel other times. Versus for Jen, I mean, she had, like, what, three drops of blood yeah. fall into her arm. So I think that, and, and not even I think, that is pure fact from the comics. It, it's a blood transfusion, but regardless, it's still a much smaller amount. Of, but she's almost getting it secondhand, so it's yeah. not going to have the same effects. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that is kind of the backstory as to why that happens. And I I have to say, since we're talking kind of about the, the differences between two, I think this show was very powerful already in the first episode, in my opinion. I'm sure, and to your point, there's conversation online. I'm sure people on all sides have plenty to say. But I do have to say, I was actually impressed with Marvel to be getting the narrative that we're getting with Jen, even when she's talking about, you know, I'm used to having to control my anger. I'm used to having to control my emotions, because if I don't, then I'm an overly emotional woman. Or I'll get murdered, which yeah. is also a very real threat. I genuinely gasped, because I was shocked that we went there. Yeah. This, I think, is fun a funny time for this to be coming out as well, because I think... There's been a lot of talk again about Black Widow and how, you know, the girls love it and the guys don't as much. And I'm not saying I'm not speaking that for everybody. I'm sure everybody has all their different point of views. But I think there's been a lot of that divide and a lot of the opposing side is more so saying how, you know, Dreykov was such a stupid villain, like he's not even worth it. When all the girls are kind of sitting there on the other side, kind of like, he was the most terrifying because of how realistic yeah, he is. Yeah, like, you don't get it. That scene where those girls are being trafficked, that's something that most women have to worry about yeah. every day. Do I go here alone because is it a problem or is it going to be a dangerous situation for me? Those are calculations that men have never had to make. We, as two women, have make that calculation every time we leave the house. Yeah, and I mean, I have to say, like, and the reason I bring up Black Widow is, like I said, that's been another conversation that's been on kind of rebooted online lately. So I find it very interesting that in this episode, we also got some of that narrative from Jen and how her point of view of being the Hulk is okay. Like, what what do you mean you want me to control my anger? I do that all the time. You can't teach me how to do that. I've been taught how to do that my whole life. I've learned I have to. From the moment I can talk. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I find it a very powerful time in, in Marvel, and in my opinion, as somebody who has obviously watched it for many years, it's great to finally see it, something you relate to a lot more, rather than, and this is nothing against our original five men Avengers, plus, of course, our Black Widow, but I just, 
I don't relate to a war veteran or like some of the... Or a billionaire. Yeah. Sorry, Tony. <laughs> or even or just like some of the things that they've been doing. And I, I can relate to some others, but I think it's really interesting to see a different aspect. And this is the most important one so far because we we have seen Bruce's battle. And we've seen it from his side, and I'm completely sympathetic still to his side. I get it. Yeah. But I am so intrigued by how easily Jen's just like, dude. I I think it's funny because I think for a long time it comes down to about, you know, control your anger, dude. You know, like that's all what it always is with for like men even. It's like, okay, well, you can control your anger versus like the other side of that. So I, I, I really like the dichotomy between the two. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, to your point when you were talking about Black Widow, I think in the last two years, they've really, basically since they rebooted after the pandemic, or reset, I guess, reboot's kind of the wrong word, you know, I think they've started to give women dimension, and, you know, I think we've talked about this a lot, Black Widow has it, she doesn't have it, depending on the director who is directing her. Don't even get me started on that. Thanks, Joss Whedon, for being the worst. You know, so... There's a lot of, you know, just, oh, she's a baddie. Like, even look at Sharon Carter. You know, we've talked about her a lot this week because we were watching... The Winter Soldier. Yeah, they had Captain America on TV when we were at home one night. So, you know, we were talking about her. Even even if you look at her, her whole thing is she's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, she's in the CIA, but she and she's Peggy's niece, but she has no dimension beyond that. You have no insight into what it's like to be a woman in her field day to day. You don't even really get the sexist angle, which you did with Peggy, which I appreciate, especially in her show. Mm-hmm. Um, so they it's not that they've never done it before, but I think this is the first time they've been so blatant about it. And I honestly think that the conversation online, even though some of it is incredibly frustrating, I think the conversations need to be had because if we don't start them, then there's never going to be an improvement. I agree. And like I said, I think this is the best way to have it being done, mainly because you do have the two ends of that coin. Once again, you have both sides. And so you, and all of us have seen Bruce's struggle from his aspect. And now we're seeing, you know, somebody else who's able to handle it in a completely different way, just because of the life that she has lived and has had to live. So I really enjoy it. I also like, I don't think this conversation and I love all the other Avengers, especially all the OGs, but I don't think this conversation would have had the same impact with any others. I think it needed to be done with Bruce. For one, he's an extremely understanding person. Yeah. I mean, out of all the Avengers, I'm not saying they haven't been through a lot. Poor Thor lost everything. But I think Jen even points out, where did being a superhero get you? Like, you're alone. That's also an interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have... And, you know, it is kind of funny, and I'm going to go a little bit off for a second... But he talks a lot about Tony, and I know we can get into those a little bit more, but the way he talks about it and about Tony, he just kind of, like, it's, like, almost reminiscing on all these good times and, like, if you ever knew somebody who peaked in high school, that is, like, how they talk about high school. Yeah. Where it's, like, it never ended kind of thing. But Jen sat there and was like, dude, you are alone. Like, you joined that, your whole superhero team and everything like that, but where did it get you at the end of the day? Well, it's so interesting because you can see that Bruce holds that time, and he views it with such rose-colored glasses, but he doesn't talk about creating Ultron, who killed no, multiple people. but we did have one of the Iron Man 
helmet pieces yeah. that was from Ultron. Yeah, I saw it. And I literally, like, was like, oh my god. Yeah, it was, it was a, like, a very triggering set piece for me. But, yeah, you have the Ultron, creating Ultron, which, by the way, killed millions of people. You have, you know, him going literally berserk in that movie. I don't remember exactly what the location was. Oh, yeah, but then they had to get the Hulkbuster. Yeah. He actually almost jokes about it. Yeah. And I was like, my guy, I know, like, it's probably good you're not feeling guilty about it anymore because I think you lived life so much feeling guilty, but, like, what? (laughs) Well, and then he talks about how he was the other guy for two years. It's like, how is that not trauma. Which Jen points out. Yeah, like, you were literally in a fight to the death, which I think is another thing, you know, and not to bring make it, you know, male versus female, but the way that men and women view those types of scenarios. Bruce is like, I did this thing, and it was, like, crazy, and then, like, Tony, and Jen's like, but you have feelings that you are repressing. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> are you not gonna address the fact that, like, all this happened? That like, you this have is... trauma from this? Well, and even, and this is something I pointed out to Taylor. And I pointed out, and I've now thought about it more, so I'm going to, like, take back some of what I said to her earlier. But he talks about Tony, he talks about Natasha, he talks about Steve. Ironically, I think it's funny that those are the three mentioned, because those are three that are dead. I'm saying it that way because we still technically haven't been confirmed that Steve is dead. They also were using him a lot in present tense, but I will say they said it a lot with Tony, too. Yeah. But my thing just kind of being, like, he says all of this and name drops them and, like, shows no emotion. And that really threw me off, too, because, for one, we had that really weird relationship with him and Natasha that was, like, getting pushed on us in Age of Ultron. Joss Whedon again, man. Yeah, like, we (laughs) didn't need it, but especially after Winter Soldier, but whatever. So, like, to not really have had much of an emotion to be when he said about Natasha doing the lullaby kind of thing, I was like, okay. He didn't really, like show emotion about Tony, I was like, okay. The man who bought him the island he's currently sitting on. Yeah, and clearly they had a lot of conversations about Steve. Yeah. And it didn't really seem like he showed much emotion with that either. I also just think it's interesting you mentioned the three he talks about. I understand why he wouldn't talk about Clint. They were never But what about Thor? Because he even talks about when he was off-world with Thor. Exactly, that was what I was going to say. Like, he spent a long time with Thor fighting. They fought together. They brought on Ragnarok together. They were the Revenger. Or, yeah. They fought Thanos together in yeah. space. Like, those are not things you just gloss over. Well, that's what I mean. That's why I thought it was very weird that Thor was the one not mentioned. And, like, to your point, Clint, okay, whatever. No offense to Clint, but it was just like... they, they There was never a connection. Yeah, there, there yeah. wasn't. But, I mean... I thought it was interesting of the three that he did mention, especially he mentioned the ones that are theoretically, let's just say, all dead. Yeah. And he didn't really show much emotion about any of it. And I was like, my guy, you've been through it. Like, yeah. And I don't know how, I, I, like we were saying, timeline-wise, we don't really know how far out from Endgame this is. But, I mean, Wanda lost Vision and is a mess. Yeah. Like... Now, granted, that was the love of her life, but, like, still. Okay, but Bruce lost, like, three best friends. Yeah. Two at least, one who knows. But, like, especially when he had a thing with Natasha, and him and Tony were science bros together, and clearly spent a lot of time together during the five years, which he made it sound very clear. He made that very clear that they spent a lot of time together. Yeah, a good time during a bad time. Yeah, so I... Which was interesting because Morgan was born. 
Yeah, I, I was just like, whatever. Uh, I, I, like, I was like, maybe you want to spend some time with your kid, or are you pulling a Howard Stark here, Tony? Yeah, who knows? I mean, when she's a baby, I guess you kind of just like... Poor Pepper! Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but regardless, I I just, you know, even Clint, I mean, look at Clint. He's a mess from Natasha. Oh, he's totally wrecked. Like, he's not even caring about Tony. He is wrecked from Natasha. So I just find it very weird that we're not getting a lot of that emotional side which is why i think they are the perfect edges to each other yeah she will bring out one side of him and he will bring out one side of her i think that they both are kind of on their own lacking yeah i agree and i think too like i'm wondering if you know his i don't want to say inability because that makes him sound less than but his struggles to emote are because he has to control his emotions so much to not lose but at the same time like now he's smart hulk so i just wonder if there's a part of him that's like still conditioned to lower his emotions or you know keep them down or bury them because of the hulk which if you're gonna go gender norms quickly and like the way that men and women tend to emote or process things that can be you know taken kind of as a metaphor a lot of men do bury their emotions and don't really process them and then they do kind of come out in anger sometimes so that's really an interesting thing too is the way that he kind of is a metaphor for men and their processes around emotions and she is the opposite you know and obviously the metaphor for women who talk about their emotions who process who think about how things affect them not to make this all about gender but i think that's like such an important you know point to make is that they are kind of metaphors for how we process emotions as the two kind of more binary genders if you're looking at it in the binary yeah no i agree and so before we get into something that was kind of the big start of all of this i do just want to bring up something that i'm concerned about and it's that we won't get much more hulk in this show i was thinking the same thing when i was watching it um that comes down to Pretty much all the footage from the trailers that we had of him were on that island. Yeah. Which she has left. There's one scene where they're on the phone, and that's pretty much, I think, the last scene we're going to get of Bruce. Yeah. So I'm a little sad because I think he's, and I know I said this in the predictions, first off, I think he's been nerfed. But second, I just think that there's so much to do with him, and he's, like, such a background player. Like, even this episode alone sits there and, like, talks about, like, things he's been doing and has filled in some gaps. And it's like, okay, okay, like, I get this. And, I mean, now I get why Mans has, like, shown up in Shang-Chi, but, like, I'm confused because we're not getting a lot of his story either. And uh, granted, this is, to all the points, not his show. I understand that completely. But I just, it's like, he continues to just be put on, like, the back burner no matter what he's in. Because, I mean, let's get to the big thing. The whole spaceship thing? Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, and he just, that was completely normal for him. He's like, yeah, Sakarian. Like, but why? What what dealings are you having with, like, <clears throat> what connection do you still have to Sakar? Because it's not like Valkyrie's still there. She's out in, I mean, still, no matter where you're looking at in the timeline, she's still king of Asgard. Yeah, I mean, he literally said, when you're a Hulk, they just sort of find you. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, that's just, okay, and you just, like, the spaceship just, like, showed up, and you thought nothing of it. Like, that was weird, and I was just, was like, if you're gonna give him depth, you gotta keep giving him yeah, depth. Yeah, like, like, you can't just be like, I'm gonna go down an inch. Here you go, guys. Yeah, like, Hulk depth. I was, yeah, that was weird. 
But I'm I'm excited because the thing that sucks is I want to get more into Jennifer's character, but I didn't feel like we get got into too much of that. It was a lot of flashback, really, yeah. like background. And I understand you have to give context in that first episode in order to set everything up. I'm hoping that we're done with that now, like that we've kind of gotten yeah. it all out of our system. We are caught up. We know where she's at. We know what she's doing, how she got there, how she got her powers, and we're kind of moving forward. But you know what? I'm actually really happy with how they did it because they broke the formula. Yeah. I think we can talk about all the shows in the sense of the first episode's usually pretty rough. Yeah. It's, and not because it's bad, just because we're starting out and we're introducing characters and we're introducing where characters have been and... You know, whatever, X, Y, and Z. Unless it's a fully complete new character like Moon Knight, you know? Yeah. Or even Ms. Marvel, because at the beginning she's not connected to anybody. I thought those two were done well, because you are you can start from scratch. But when you're getting into And a, you're used to it. Exactly. Yeah. But when you're looking at a Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I'm going to nix WandaVision from this conversation, because that was a completely different style of show. But Falcon and the Winter Soldier, even Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Who else have we gotten? Oh, Loki. I was going to say, I was like... I was like, there was definitely another live action last year. I mean, even with that show, you know, I think that first... Actually, I kind of like the first episode and kind of dipped from there. But, you know, so maybe not Loki, but definitely Hawkeye and Falcon I mean, and Soldier. Loki had... Some, but, like, it still had some of its moments where you just kind of sat there and you're like, okay... Yeah, their they're context don't yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. So, I think... I, I do appreciate that they changed that up a little bit. I appreciate that we got confirmation that this is going to be Deadpool-style fourth wall breaking, which I know was a big thing that we were kind of talking about in the predictions episode, was obviously we knew it was going to happen. We just didn't quite know how. What's weird is, so the first time technically we see her do it is in the flashback, and she looks just as surprised as anybody else that she's talking to us. Yeah. Like, she turns to us, says it, and then she's like, wait a hot second. Yeah, like, who else is here? Yeah, she's like, who did I just talk to? But we start the show off with her talking directly to us, yeah. which means we're getting this whole narrative directly from her. Yeah, which is so interesting. Yeah, I really like it. I like her point of view. I like that it just cuts to it because it's like a really good pause in the show where it would be like something is about, a big is about to happen. And then there's her like, well, this is going to suck. Yeah. You know, and she just like because it's I, I can't think of what it reminds me of. And it's not Deadpool. Because Deadpool does it in a very different way. Oh, it's totally different, yeah. Um, but it does very much remind me of a different show, and I can't place it at the current moment. But I really enjoy it already. And you I... know what it's like? Okay, this is a terrible oh, analogy, gosh. but it's also so good. It's like the Emperor's New Groove, where they, like, pause the movie. And then he comes out, and he's like, but let me tell you what happened. Yeah, okay, like, stuff like that. Yeah. Or, like, even <laughs> my dad and I were watching <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog oh, yesterday. God. But it was the same kind of vibe, because when he goes really fast... And everything pretty much paused. Like, it's going so slow that it's almost paused around him. He's sitting there like, la-di-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, he's just, like, dancing, singing, like, I got this. Like, he's doing his own thing. And then everything goes back to where it was. So I like that. I think it brings a, a different type of character to this show. And it works for her. Yeah. I couldn't see, like, could you imagine a Bucky doing that? Oh like, God. you couldn't. I was just going to say, like, a Steve. Like, yeah. No. Like, it never would have worked. So I really like the, the, her doing it. I'm intrigued on what it means because I think it's going to be fine in the show, but it's like, okay, she's obviously going to go somewhere after the show, which we'll get to much later in the show yeah. because we don't have any clear idea quite yet. But it's like, 
is she going to keep doing that? Like, is it going to be a continuous thing just for her character? How is that play? Is she going to get multiple seasons? Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, like, you even saw when she said it with Bruce in the background, he was like, what? Like, he's like, because she said something, but just not to him. So I'm kind of like, you know, if she's going to be in a team-up, like, is she going to continue to kind of do that with the team there? Like, is that going to open ways for other characters to do it? Like, what does this mean? Because yeah. I... We also, and I know we said in the predictions episode, but I do want to just quick mention, we've had fourth wall breaking before quite a bit in phase four. Yeah. So not quite to this level, though. No. So. They've, like, stared at the camera, but they've never, like, acknowledged us. Yeah. She just straight up is like, I'm talking to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally different. But at the same time, like, I totally see what you're saying. Like, there is that, it's almost like a gradual progression. Like, we got a couple of characters looking at us, a couple of characters almost seeming to know we were there and now you have Jen fully just being like you're my friends now and let me tell you this crazy yeah, story. Yeah she's like guess what and yeah. then when, she, when we come back from the flashback she's like and that's that I haven't hulked out in like the whole time I've been back and she's like. Lawyer show. <laughs> yeah and yeah she's like and you're gonna like the show because it's about a lawyer and I was like you know what yes I am like you got me convinced. Speaking of I do want to talk about that so what I didn't realize because based on the trailers, it seems like she's going to be the defense attorney for Abomination, right? And I still think that's true. I think I saw in a trailer that she ends up being his defense attorney, which is why in the last, in the predictions episode, I was telling you, oh, she and Matt are probably not going to be opposing lawyers because they are both defense attorneys. Matt just kind of represents people, but on the most times he is a defense attorney. He's not a prosecutor. But what I think is interesting is the show establishes pretty quickly that she's actually a DA, but she then switches when she cuts onto this new what I'm assuming. Is I'm that assuming superhero she's, division. Yeah, I'm assuming that when she gets into the superhero division, she then switches into more of a defense side, which I thought was super interesting. But I also just want to point out she took out Titiana pretty quickly. And that kind of threw me because I was like, how is she supposed to be? I mean, I get it. Like, they come out of jail all the time and she's clearly very strong. So she has to be in a special jail. But like, that was kind of like very underwhelming. <laughs> My concern is that it makes that she's not the main villain. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Um, which I like mainly for the sake of it's a twist. Yeah. From the get-go that I wasn't expecting. We went into this, like, okay, Titiana's gonna be... Which we even talked about saying, like, oh, normally when you, like, know who the villain is, you get much more of them in the trailers. Maybe the truth we is did, that we yeah. don't know who because the villain is. Because that literal scene was the one that we saw in the Yeah, trailer. so we have no idea where Jamila comes in at any other point. Yeah. Um, and I will say, I think what's interesting is, and we did, we said this a lot, Titiana is the abomination to She-Hulk. She is very similar to her. She kind of has the same type of powers, but, or abilities, I guess, because not really powers for these type of superheroes. But she's very much, you know, not a good person. So I would appreciate if they kind of switched up the narrative and had a different type of villain, just because, to be fair, in the first Hulk, we did get Abomination and we'll get him again. But I will say, like, We've kind of seen that battle happen already, especially with the Hulks. So I think it'd be kind of interesting to give her, like, a slightly more in-depth villain that's not just her evil, essentially. Or if we want to go really nuts and think that Kevin's been trolling us on a large, grand scale. Okay. In the comics, we mentioned this last episode, Titiana has given her powers by Doctor Doom. What if 
we're actually getting Doctor Doom, and all of this stuff that's being mm. talked about with Giancarlo Esposito is actually just like totally fabricated, and he was meant to say all of that because I would not put it past Kevin. They're in L.A., right? Um, I thought it was New York. No, she said about going back to L.A. Yeah, but when she gets on the team, she's in in New York because that's where Daredevil is, and he does not leave New York. It's like his thing. So the rest of the show takes place in New York. But they are currently in L.A. I believe so. Okay. That's what I'm trying to establish. Yes. yes. Okay. I mean, that could be very interesting, and I think that would be something I think we all need. And I, I know we talked about this when we covered San Diego Comic-Con. We don't think that Fantastic Four is going to be an origin story. Correct. Because that would be the third time. And, and they don't like to do threes. No. And consider and and you really do have to take Tom Holland Spider-Man as that way of they they don't want to do it. Yeah. And it makes sense. I get it. I personally don't want to see it again. Not that I saw the second reboot. No shame. Totally no, skipped it. No offense Miles Teller, no offense Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Love you both, but didn't bother. Regardless, we don't need to see it again. We all know what happens. So, it would actually be very fitting for there to be we could a almost, doom in this because we need to establish him prior to the Fantastic Four movie. Yes. And there's also two things. And to Secret this. Wars. Two things. One, I think he has a building that's like his building. So he could be the owner of Stark Tower. Or two, in this show, since it's later set in New York, we know by Daredevil. And he does have his own building. That's his like company. That's what I thought. Yeah. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head because they either. all have names, but. We could also see, if it's the Fantastic Four, we could get the first confirmation of the Baxter building if it's not Victor Von Doom's building. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. And I think it'd be an interesting place to put this series. Because she is a member of the Fantastic Four in some iterations. Yes. Yeah. And, I mean, to what we know is coming up, it makes sense. Yeah. Because, to your point, and we both said it, Titiana was, like, sidelined very quickly. Not saying she won't be back. Yeah. I can't see that that's, that's the world's smallest role for an actress that is not deserving so of such good. a small role. <laughs> um, but I don't see her now being the main villain. I don't either. I, I mean, she was super anticlimactic, in my opinion. And I'm like, how are you going to gas this up, essentially, yeah. is the way to go. I mean, like, I look at Abomination, and I sit there, and I'm like, terrifying. Horrible. Not ready for it. Like, in the, I, I will say, while I don't watch The Incredible Hulk in my free time, that is the best part of that film. He is, is him. Genuinely. He looks terrible. So scary. Yeah, I mean, he looks terrible yeah. because it's, I mean, he looks so much better now. They fixed him because he did not look right. Like, where's his ears? Who knows? <laughs> um, But he is so good in that film. Yeah, I agree. And so I just, am like, so Titiana, hey, like, what's what's up? Like, you're just kind of there. Like, I'm more sitting here like, I want the abomination to go loose. Like, I want I want him to, like, just go on a rampage. Like, I need something. So, I, I like that theory about Doom possibly being the underlying factor Like, in pulling this. the strings. And it would be interesting because if you're pulling Daredevil into this, that's a whole other aspect. I mean, if we're in the city now, you also have, well, we couldn't get Spider-Man because of Sony, so screw you, Sony. <laughs> I'm going to say it because you literally are screwing us up here because they wanted to put him in this. Regardless, you're in the city now. You've got a lot of other heroes there, and that would be where the Fantastic Four would be. Yeah. 
Well, and two, if Victor Von Doom, and I don't know a ton about him in the comics other than, like, what I've seen in the movies and stuff, but if he's running his company in any sort of shady manner, creating superhumans, that's going to get on Daredevil's radar pretty quickly. So that's something that he, you know, his whole thing is, I'm going to protect my city. So if he sees all these people with, like, superpowers coming out of, like, something and there's obviously he's going to look for the source and if that source is Victor Von Doom like I don't know that they're necessarily connected a lot in the comics but again Marvel being the MCU does not always directly pull from the comics so you know whether there's comic precedence for that or not we can't take it off the table yeah I I definitely think he's a shady man for sure and that's why I also want to bring up the case she's currently working on did you catch some of the details of what they were talking about Remind me, because I watched it a couple days ago. Well, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I, like, but I remember thinking about it while watching it, and I was like, this is interesting, because it was, like, corporation with, like, safety issues and stuff like that. It was definitely something that I was like, is this supposed to be an organization I recognize? In the courtroom, I thought they were going to, like, pan over and show somebody that was, like, sketch sketch. What if it's, not Oscorp, what's the other one? The one that I always get... That was Roxxon. What if it's freaking Roxxon? Oh, see, I, I was going to say, what if it was Doom's company? Because then it would the proceedings were interrupted by Titiana. Oh, smart. Who he, in the comics, gives the power, or is the one who gives her yeah. her abilities. I just was thinking, because in Cloak and Dagger, Roxxon has, like, some kind of spill or something, and that's actually what creates Cloak and Dagger. And I honestly, guys, if you've not watched that show on, I think it's still on Hulu, it's so good. It's not really considered part of the MCU. It was something that, like, ABC Family, or I guess their Freeform now did. And we've already seen Roxxon a few times in the MCU. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I mean, yeah, definitely. It could be. I was just saying, you know, I don't remember what Doom's whole company does. Obviously, they were sending people into space. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But, you know, a company like that, I wouldn't be surprised to be out and have a area out in L.A., yeah. Those are probably the two biggest cities to walk the earth of, you know, the U.S. area. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had a corporation out there, which is why she is, you know, if it's them, that's why she would be involved in that case. Because it definitely sounded sketchy. And the way it was, I was like, I almost feel like it's too obvious that this has to be something more. Like, this can't just be a random case, especially with then Titiana just interrupting yeah like no that's a good point i didn't really think about that but now that you lay it out i'm kind of annoyed at myself for missing it or like not really thinking about it deeper it just was like why would especially if she's escaped from somewhere why would she go to a courtroom yeah like of all places to crash if it wasn't an important case yeah no that makes a lot of sense so and no one that was shown was important that's what I kept... Th- I well, kept they, thinking that Pan was going to be a somebody... Well, notice they never showed the defendant. Yeah. So that might be... Well, it's probably also just all the lawyers. They're probably the actual person probably isn't even No, there. I'm pretty sure when you're being criminally... You? Yeah, when you're, uh, you know... I don't know. I don't know the law, but I'm pretty sure as a defendant, you, like, have to show up to court. I don't know, though. For I feel like court? a lot of those big companies, like, they don't do that. But who knows? I don't I, know. I don't know. We, we aren't lawyers, uh, and neither of us went to law school. But, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of was thinking about that because I was like, you know, it just seems like such a sketchy trial. Like, yeah. what it's saying, like, this bit, and big corporations don't fare well in Marvel. No. So I was also like, I feel like if we're going to get to a, a place where we're talking about a big corporation, it has to be something bigger than we think. It's not 
just a write-off because I think we could see her being a lawyer without needing to be in an important case. But for Titiana to have crashed it felt very weird to me. So I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. I am all good with all things episode one. I don't know how you're feeling about it. Yeah, I mean, I think we covered pretty much the most important things that came out of this. Like we said at the very beginning, I think there was a lot of stuff from the trailer in this episode, so there's not really a ton to get too much into just yet, but I'm really looking forward to what the second episode brings us because this is the type of show that I feel like no matter what, we're going to get more answers each episode. And cameos. Apparently it's like littered with cameos. Yeah, which I'm also really excited about. Me too. The last thing I have to talk about really briefly is Steve Rogers. Oh my gosh, how did I forget? <laughs> like I know, I was like... Um, He's my guy. I have so much yet so little to say about that end credit scene specifically. I appreciate that they finally answered the age-old question that we all wanted to know. I didn't know we all wanted to know that. It's been a question, I feel like, on online. Oh. People have definitely been asking. Well, to be fair, I mean, in the Winter Soldier, Black Widow straight up is just like, was that your first kiss since, like, 1944? And he was like, wow, that bad. Yeah. I have to laugh. I thought it was funny. So, my favorite part, though, was the way that she played Bruce so hard, mm-hmm. pretending that she was drunk, and then he was like, the freak? You've been sober this whole time? Like, masterful. Absolutely masterful. I had to laugh, but the other part of me, and I said this to Taylor earlier, the way they spoke, both didn't very much sound like my guy has moved on to the afterlife quite yet. Just my point of view of it, I could be very wrong. That could just be me throwing out something that's not true. It just didn't sound like they were talking about him in any sense of a past tense. Even when they were talking about him in the car initially at the beginning of the episode, like, I didn't get much past tense in that. What I really loved was that Peggy was not mentioned. (laughs) Oh my god, you're so petty. I don't care. I literally, please, she's been in, like, everything now. I can't stand it. No, I was very intrigued. But I also was more intrigued because I was like, Hulk knows that he went back in time. Yeah, everybody knows. He was an Avenger, at least. Yeah, so I was like, well, he was, like, physically standing there. So I was like... I honestly blacked a lot of the end of that movie out, so I don't really remember. I just see a lot of Bucky. (sighs) So, you know. But he knows, so I thought that was also kind of interesting that that was just never... Maybe that was something that they chose to keep a secret because it's the one time Captain America did not follow orders. Yeah, but for him to not tell his cousin, who he clearly is telling, like, everything else to, like, he literally told her everything else. So I feel like that was weird that that was just not brought up at all. I mean, Bruce is, like, a pretty, like, moral guy in the sense that, like, I could see him saying, like, it's not my place. You know what I mean? Like, that's the one, like, line he'll draw where he's like, Steve's not going to care if, like, people know that, like, he wasn't a virgin because, like, yeah, he was Captain America, but, like, he also, like, was a living man. Like, you know, like, so whatever. Like, that's not going to be a demerit against him. Whereas, like, going against orders, doing things he wasn't supposed to do, messing with the timeline, like, that's got a little bit more stakes than, like, oh, did Captain America, like, you know... I don't know, because I feel like people have to, like, I I don't know. Because there also wasn't, like, a thing of being, like, there's an explanation other than that, that they were telling people. And I think that's been a question since Endgame. Yeah, like, what did they tell people? Yeah, like... there's suddenly no Captain America. Well, there's no Steve Steve as Captain America. Like, did they tell him? But to actually flip your question the other way, why is there suddenly another Captain America is actually probably the better question. 
They almost mourn him in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's why I thought they told everyone he was dead. Yeah. Because the way that they do the, the museum yeah. and the, the inter- not internment, but the display of the shield. And then they give John. Oh, oh my God. But You're like, doing great, John. That's why, I don't know, it's very weird. But then I also wonder, like, what's the timeline with that? You know? So, like, yeah. there's a lot that I... Well, I, that was pretty closely after the yeah, flip, based but, on everything that was happening with the resettlement. Yeah, but that's why I'm, like, interesting. Yeah. So it was weird. But I, it was a good end credit scene. I, I quite enjoyed it. I think she's asking all the questions we want to know. Jen and, is us. Yeah. Like, in the same way that Kamala was us as fans, Jen is us just as, like, women in the world. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. That's 100% fair. But I did, I couldn't in the right of mind end this episode without at least talking about I can't about believe that. it slipped my mind. I'm actually genuinely ashamed. Well, you should be. I know. All right. Now we are officially done talking all things episode one. All you need to know is we'll be back next week. Super excited for episode two. If you would like to come along with us on this She-Hulk journey and you haven't already subscribed, you can go ahead and do so on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're already enjoying the show, please go ahead and give us a rating or review. You can check out extra content on the blog where Katie answers some of the questions that we just don't have on hand. And you can also show your support of the show by purchasing an item on Redbubble. We have everything from stickers to hats to laptop cases, and that is linked in the show notes if you'd like to check that out. Also, make sure you guys are following us on Twitter at Let's Talk MFT just to keep up with everything that's coming out as far as us and theories and everything else. And make sure while you guys are checking out the blog to also sign up for our newsletter, which will come out every month. There's some extra content from us and we know you guys love all that. So definitely make sure you guys are signing up for that. In the meantime, remember that our episodes will be coming out on Saturdays rather than Fridays, just because She-Hulk is on Thursdays now, not Wednesdays, so we are also pushing our episodes back just as long as She-Hulk goes, hopefully, unless more shows decide that they are going to be on Thursdays. So stay flexible, but keep up with us and keep up with She-Hulk, because Marvel just blew your mind, so let's talk about it.